Taking a few deep breaths, breathing in through the nose and then out through the mouth. Bringing your focus to the crown of your head and feeling like there's this warm golden nectar that's dripping down your body. It's smoothing the forehead between the eyebrows. The eyes relax in the sockets. the mind lets go of gripping onto whatever it's gripping to. And the jaw and the tongue, the lips relax, the cheeks. And it melts down the shoulders. Releasing any tension there and down the length of both arms and the hands.
feeling the belly softening, the base of the pelvic floor. And the length and width of both legs. And both feet. Feeling the way the breath moves the chest. And keeping the body relaxed while doing that. And letting the mind be open and spacious. Simply aware. Every so often noticing if there's tension creeping back into the body, relaxing those places again. this sound that you can hear. And then one step closer. And the next closest sound. Just resting in a clear, open awareness. Aware of whatever arises and falls. It's called emptiness dancing. 
seen. Naturally, the mind will jump off somewhere. And that happens just relaxing back, opening up again, finding the present. And if you start to feel heavy or dull, refreshing your interest. Just purely aware, not pushing anything away or pulling anything towards you, not doing anything. the last few moments, bring your mind clear and bright into the present, simply noticing what's happening. And when you're ready, you can start to move, opening the eyes, making a dedication. Yeah, we're on class eight. Um, perfecting generosity, how to become a bodhisattva. Today is Wednesday, February 27th. How many classes are there? 10. And so tonight we're gonna talk about secondary mental afflictions and the six perfections. And I'm not sure that 
I don't think I've ever gone over the secondary mental afflictions except for in this class. Um, so it's really cool to go over them. It's not like they're anything new to any of us, but it just helps us have like a label and a name for what is coming up. So guess what we're going to do? Sartulan S. Master. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then the commentary um, is by who? Gelsa J. Dharma Rinchen. Um, what are his dates? Uh-huh. 1432. Mm-hmm. 1364 to 1432. Um, and what's the name of the commentary in Tibetan? It's pretty short. In Tibetan? Mm-hmm. It's Yeah. It's Gyalse Juk. No. Gyalse I was thinking it was like that children it is. It is, but that's all it is in Tibetan. Uh, I know. Um, Entry point for children of victorious Buddhas. Yeah. <laughs> like 3,000 cents somehow. I know. It, it's so weird because a lot of times it's like this huge long thing in Tibetan and then it's something it's short in, in English. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so there's the five different paths um, that we go through in our practice. What's the first one? Path of preparation. Yep. And then? Path of mm-hmm. Third. Path of seeing. Mm-hmm. Situation. Mm-hmm. And the best one. Uh huh. Yeah. And the path of no more learning. 
So the movement between each of those paths is through deep meditation. So it's really important to be developing a deep meditation, which mostly requires retreats. Um, and it takes about nine days to bring your mind into a meditative state and retreat. So keep this in mind as your practice progresses. You'll want to plan to get up to a month retreat twice a year, you know, at some point. And you start with shorter retreats, and then you work your way up. Um, and then everything that we talk about in these classes will start to happen. But you have to be meditating deeply for a lot of things to happen. And it doesn't happen all at once, but you know, doing deeper and deeper meditations, but it's good to have like the end goal in mind and then just start working towards it. Okay, we already met the big six mental afflictions and now we're going to meet the secondary mental afflictions. Um, where's the, okay, here we go. And there's a lot of them, there's 20. <laughs> so say nye nyun. Nye nyun. And that's secondary mental afflictions. Um, and the first one, so these follow, follow after and along with the six primary mental afflictions. And you'll see what I mean as we're going through them. The first one is troa. 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 Which is anger. It kind of sounds like, like anger to me. I don't know why. Um, so the troa is anger, which is why it's also not so great to translate the primary affliction as anger. Um, the primary that this stems from is ignorant disliking. And this is the lead up to actually hurting somebody. Um, it stems from ignorantly not liking things and this one is the first few minutes of anger. And then number two, say kunzin. 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 This one is retaining anger over a long period of time after the initial anger, which is number one. Troa is the first big blow up. And then kunzin is when you're angry for days, weeks, years. Um, and usually, you know, someone says something to us that we don't like and we remember it for a long time. And they've completely forgot about it. They were maybe even just kidding. They have no idea that we're upset about it, but we're carrying it around. Um, so Troas, the first about five to ten minutes. And then Kunzin, we're keeping the anchor over a long period of time. Which is so cool with Tibetan Buddhism. It's so detailed. Like, it goes into detail in all these afflictions that we have. Like, we know we have these things, but somehow naming them, I think, gives them a little less power, but we can also notice it more and know that, okay, this, this is an affliction just because it's not, like, the big one or what I would normally think of. Number three, say sikpa. Sikpa. This is irritation. I think I kind of use irritation as like a blanket term for 
one, two, and three. <laughs> Here, this one is starting to get hot. Um, your heart starts to beat faster. Um, it's the start of it, so you're starting to get annoyed. It's pre-anger, which then leads up to anger. Kunzin is post-anger, and Sigpa is pre-anger. And its job is done when you start to say something harsh to that person. Um, I don't think so. I think, I mean, that's, I don't think that that's a good thing either. But this, he's specifically saying that it's something harsh to that person. Because the other would more be like um, divisive speech maybe or something like that. Um, okay, number four, say namse. 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 Namse which is malice. This is a state of mind where you're ready to hurt someone you've decided in your mind. Um, it's being willing or deciding to in your mind to hurt someone either verbally or physically. Does that include like having the thought of I want to strangle this person even though <laughs> you don't actually want to? Just like... I would say so. Because it's, it's, it's not talking about actually doing it. It's just talking about that you've decided in your mind to do it. Yeah. So it's good because you haven't acted on it yet, but it's still not good to have the thought. <laughs> Did you think it was like a freebie? It's sort of a freebie. The truth would hit me hard. <laughs> Um, number five, say chak dok. Chak dok. Chak dok. And this one's jealousy. Who's familiar with this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, really, for all of them. This is so. This one is a part of anger, which um, makes sense to me. But it's interesting because I don't think we usually think of it that way. Um, and I think of it as anger and like, I'm angry that someone else has that and I don't have it. Mm -hmm. We'd like hurt them to get, get what they have yeah. or yeah. yeah. I would do something bad. So this is a part of anger, an inner disturbance of the mind. Out of desire for gain or honor, you cannot bear the sight of someone else's happiness. <laughs> yeah. Because of your desire for gain or admiration, you're willing to let others, you're unwilling to let others have good things. So unhappy about others' good fortune and happiness, unhappy when they get a promotion, unhappy when they get married or uh, lose weight or get praise, unhappy when they get attention, you know, like there's so many different ways. And to it's totally hypocritical for a bodhisattva. It's like despicable bodhisattva behavior. Because <laughs> it's completely opposite. It's the absolute opposite of the bodhisattva ideal. 
a bodhisattva, if needed, would be willing to go to hell to make sure other people get what they want. They would be willing to do anything. As opposed to being unhappy about some crappy little thing that someone gets in samsara that's going to make them unhappy anyways. That's how Lama Miranda always put it, and I love it because it's totally true. So jealousy, it's, it's really a funny thing almost to think about. It's someone got what they wanted, and you can't handle it. <laughs> and jealousy is common and very dangerous in Dharma centers, so we have to be really careful. The demons that live in the world cannot stand this kind of class going on or other classes that we have. And they get very upset about it. And what, they would like nothing more than if the Dharma brothers and sisters split up and were jealous of each other. So be really careful when you see things come up in your mind. Notice I say when, because I don't think it's if. I think it's when. So be careful because it grows very easy and it stays in your mind. And it's, it's really sick for someone who says they're on the Bodhisattva track. Like dedicating your whole life to reaching full awakening to help all living beings. But then uh, they get a promotion and I'm pissed. I'm not happy about it. What would be, what would be the karma? Like if you're, because when I experience jealousy, it's always with Like, who would come into, like, for us to feel jealous of a Dharma brother or sister? Um, what's the karma of having the jealousy come up? Yeah. I would, I would say it's probably, you know, it's like a similar seed that you planted in the past. So it's probably, it could be just some tiny little tinge of jealousy that you had in the past. Something tiny or just um, just not happy for people when they get good things. That would be like the simplest correlation I could, I could think of. I don't. There's. I'm sure there's more complex ones, but I don't know what they are. Yeah, because I. Well, I don't see myself doing something like that. But then I see myself doing a jealous act to like. You know, it's always been around the partner. It's always. Oh been, yeah. You know, like that's where it really. I mean, we all have our to our individual flavor of it yeah. so we'll all have like different areas where we're, we're jealous or more so but if we watch ourselves and maybe the Dharma Center is not a big one for you um, but if we watch ourselves we probably have it coming up more than we notice mm -hmm. but if if you don't feel it in Dharma Center then that's great like no need to change it <laughs> keep it on that track, but then yeah. like, this other jealousy over here can, that can come into here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know, that's the, it's not like compartmentalized and it just stays in like one little area. 
It's like it infects everything. <laughs> so it's good to stomp it out before it gets a foothold. And maybe it would maybe helpful if you remember, okay, I don't want this in Dharma Center, so I have to stop it in this area. These are not very easy to see through. Okay. Um, number six, say you. You. This is insincerity, denial, falsity. And this, I mean, these are funny when you look at them. They really suck when you're experiencing them. But this one is you won't admit your faults or your shortcomings. And so you can't receive knowledge because you feel that you already know it all. And it just, I mean, it's like so dumb. <laughs> I mean, we probably all do this in some way. I know I do. But so you're not being straight with yourself and trying not to admit that you have anything wrong, although you do. So you're in denial. Nobody can teach you anything if you don't admit that you have anything to learn. So you'll be blocked to hearing it when you go to a teaching because you think it doesn't apply to you. And I can totally vouch for this. This has happened to me. And the longer you study, you have to be really careful of it. Don't think that you already know. Try not to let that come into your mind at all. Just every teaching, even if it's like, oh, I've heard this before. Don't do that. Just open up and think, okay, what's, what's different here? What else, what else can I learn? Because otherwise, it's just a waste. Like, you won't learn anything. And you're there, so you might as well absorb whatever you can. Um, and I, for some reason, I was able to do this when Emily was teaching earlier this year. And it was like, it totally transformed everything. It was like I was in my first Buddhist class again or something. Like, it felt like alive and like really juicy, where before I had just been feeling like, yeah, you know, I've already learned this. Like, you know, like kind of like an attitude. So don't do that to yourself. Uh, number seven, say yoa. 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 This is pretense. Pretending you have qualities which you don't have so that others will honor you. <laughs> Pretending to be holy when you're not. You want to have others respect you, so you act like you have something that you don't have. Maybe some knowledge, or you let someone believe that you know something that you don't. You want others... Just, I just said that. Um, and here, Geshe Michael goes into this story. There's, I've heard this before. There's a story of a guy, and his altar is a huge mess. It's all dirty. Um, and he has some important sponsors that are coming over. And so he spends a lot of time fixing up his altar. And then he realized that he had Yoa, which is this one, pretense. And so he threw dirt all over his altar before the sponsors arrived. And then somewhere in Tibet, a lama was teaching at that same time and said someone just did a big spiritual act of truth, a big holy deed. Number eight, say no sa mepa. Because he noticed this affliction in his mind and he did the opposite. 
He was just trying to act like he was holy, that his, you know, that to show that his altar was always perfect, but it wasn't. So he realized it and then corrected himself. Um, so number eight, say no sa me pa. No sa me pa. No sa me pa. And this is shamelessness. <laughs> um, the opposite of this is that you're ashamed to do a bad deed because you would see yourself doing it and you'd be embarrassed to see yourself doing it. So this this is not that. This is this is like not having a conscience which keeps you from doing non-virtue when even when nobody's looking. So for example, in the privacy of your own room, someone left money and if you stole it, nobody else would ever know. So no sa would stop you from doing it. That would be the opposite of this. No sa mepa is shamelessness. You would have no conscience about it. You would just not care. And this one specifically when no one's looking. So if you think you're getting you think you're getting away with something. Which is mis, you know, misunderstanding that it's not other people seeing you that triggers a karmic seed to be planted. You just have to be seeing it yourself. Number nine, say trel may. Trel may. In consideration. Not caring what anyone thinks or feels when you do something. Not avoiding a bad deed which would cause others to lose faith. The opposite would be when you're just about to do a bad deed but you hold back because you know it'll hurt someone else. So Trelme is, I don't care what anyone else thinks, I'm doing it. And these last two, eight and nine, they're there whenever you do something wrong. And so um, check, check these out and see if, see if that's true. Because I think the way, they, the way they sound, it sounds like maybe we don't do them very often or something like that. Does anyone else ha get that sense from them? To me, these, I think they have like a sound to them where we might think we don't do them very often. But Gesha Michaels says that these two afflictions are there whenever you do something wrong. So the shamelessness and inconsideration. And number 10, say chop, choppa. Chappa. Hiding your faults. Um, the longer you hide a fault, the more the karma grows. And someone, I think um, Lama Brandy is really good in my eyes about like just telling everything that that she's done wrong. Sometimes I feel like she hasn't really done those things wrong. She's just saying that, but, 
<laughs> but it seems like she's really good about that, about being like super open and honest about maybe things that she thinks she's done wrong. So in the monastery, if a monk breaks even a minor vow and tries to hide it, it's much more serious. If they admit it quickly, there's much less negative negativity to it, and the karma is less as well. So the quicker you admit it to someone, the better. Don't wait until the next morning if you can. Just admit it right away. So in terms of applying this to like everyday situations, would this just mean like owning up to mistake you made to a person immediately? Mm -hmm. What about if it's like a like a personal fault and it's just like against the self? You, would you just say, oh, you did that again? And then that's... How, like, what's an example? Ooh, good question. Uh, I didn't get that far. Mm. Like if I do something that I told myself I wasn't going to do. And it would be weird if you said something... I guess I to could someone? Say something to you could more powerful. Yeah, you could tell like at least like a Dharma brother or sister if you couldn't tell someone at work or something like that. So if you tell them the quick does that relieve some like does that lessen Yeah, it lessens the severity of the karmic seed. And if you're breaking like some vow or, or something like that, doing the four powers would be good too. But you can you kind of get a feel for it. The faster you confess something or or even just apologize for something, it's it doesn't get as big. I think we can even feel it like physically in our body when we're doing it. Like if I if it sits on my mind for a few days, it feels like it gets bigger and bigger and it's harder when I say something, it doesn't always feel like it's completely cleansed or even like it takes more effort with the four powers. So if we can say something right away. And that's partly why the book's really good, too, to do the six-time-the-day book, because you can, um, you can do purification in there, too. And then you can look back and see what you did in the last few hours. And sooner or later, whatever we've done, it comes out anyways. Kishan Michael says, people are like dogs. They can smell that you did something wrong. <laughs> so you can try to hide your bad qualities but everybody knows everybody knows them anyways you might as well just own up and I, I think it's really true yeah. <laughs> so if you have one that you can't stop just admit it to other people and work on it a Buddhist should be like an open book not hiding anything honest, open, not trying to look uh, spiritual or, you know, like. So if you hide it and you don't fix it, that would be, that would be this. It's like wanting to do a cover-up, wanting to hide it, wanting to bury it or push it aside where nobody will see. We could go. I think we could go through the rest of them. These are going a lot faster than I thought they would. We'll go through this one and then we'll take a break. Um, Eleven, say Surna. 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 This is being stingy, cheap, not generous. Don't want to give anything. 
That one's pretty straightforward. 11 say gyak, or 12 say gyakpa. 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 I think we talked about this one more last, last week too. Um, being conceited, puffed up, focusing on your own good qualities, like being rich or beautiful um, or intelligent, and being stuck up about them. And in colloquial Tibetan, this means fat or chubby. And as a mental affliction, it's focusing on your temporary qualities and being stuck up about them, which we learned last class ultimately results in us losing those things. So um, it backfires. 13 say ma de pa. Ma de pa. This one's a lack of faith. Is feeling lazy and having a lack of admiration towards holy beings who deserve our devotion. Fourteen, we some of you probably remember from meditation course, lay low, lay low, lay low, lay low. which is laziness. So this one, this is spiritual laziness, a lack of joy in doing goodness. I kind of think of this as it's time to gossip about coworkers and we're like super excited and really into it. And then it's time to meditate or go to a class and we're like, hmm, I guess. You know, I guess. <laughs> um, lying around your home on the weekend instead of going out and doing good deeds. Number 15, say bak mepa. Bak mepa. Which is carelessness. This is not being careful with your spiritual life. So you'd be being careless and therefore doing non virtues. This one, this is really easy to do. Um, they say the best, this is what Gesh Michael says, the best way to get bak mepa is to have a few beers. So you completely lose it when you're drunk and you're more likely to do something bad. And the, the next one's kind of similar. Um, say, jene. Jene. This one's forgetfulness or losing focus. So these are really, they're really close together. Not remembering your commitment to ethical behavior throughout your daily activities. Super easy to do. So when you study the art of meditation in course three, this would be when you lose that object totally. Your mind is onto something else completely. It's just like jumped off. And this can be all through the day. In the morning, you could do the four forces to, and say you're not going to yell in traffic the whole day. And then you forget and you yell all the time in the car. And then at the end of the day, you realize after you get home, oh yeah, I wasn't going to yell in the car today. So just completely forgetting. And it happens all the time. Um, and we just pick it up when we remember. 17, 
say Sheshin Mayimpa. Sheshin Mayimpa. Sheshin Mayimpa. This is losing watchfulness or not being aware. So not watching yourself to catch your non-virtuous behavior. Losing the mental watchdog. And your vigilance against not doing non-virtues. So in meditation, this is when the alarm goes off when your mind starts to wander. It's like, alarm, alarm, something's happening. You know, like the mind's gone. But, but here, it would be no red flags going off. And you just do whatever you want to all day long. And completely forget. Okay, last three. Say, mukpa. 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 This is dullness of body or mind. Torpor. Is this all up here? I don't know. No, it's not. Okay. Fogginess. Um, like when you eat too much or you don't sleep enough. And this leads to other mental afflictions. So it's just a dull, low-level state of mind. Like when you've had a big pizza or something. And it's like you can't even think because you just ate so much. It's like all the energy just went to digesting or something. Mm -hmm. And the mind's just dead. Usually it's self-afflicted. You shouldn't have eaten so much or stayed out too late, went to bed too late, and then you get the effect of it the next day. Or kind of feel like as you get older you just can't sleep for no reason at all and then you're exhausted in the morning <laughs> not that it's no reason at all but <laughs> um it tends to promote the other mental afflictions because when we're tired we just it's just so much easier to get irritated at people to say things we don't want to say it's just like we just cannot cope that well Number 19, say nam yen. Nam yen. Nam This is distraction towards a pleasant object. So it comes from wanting things ignorantly. Like that is going to make me happy and I'm obsessed about it 24 hours a day. Um, I think this one's a little more subtle than that, but the last one, say gupa. 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 And this is scattering. Not being able to stay focused on one thing. Distracted from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Maybe like a lot of our lives during the day, possibly. Um, even in your personal life, having too much going on and you can't focus on any one thing. And as you progress higher in the bodhisattva path, you should be able to juggle numerous things and still be focused. Um, so you can have many objects of focus at that point because it's like all one spiritual life. You can get busier as you progress and it's okay as long as you can focus single-pointedly. But if you can't, then it's probably better to, if you can ease up on distractions, if you can ease up on commitments or not be so um, busy all the time if it's possible. It just won't be conducive for meditation, which is what 
we need in order to progress on the path. And I mean, when we're more relaxed, we're sleeping better, it's just like a more pleasant way to live as opposed to just pushing ourselves to go, go, go like every day and until we just can't handle it and then we're sick and that's the only time we get a rest or something. Okay, I'm really surprised. Those went really fast. So we'll take a break and then come back. What time is it? 7.23.